welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Hey, this is Bob Hassan. I'm with my friend Sean Bowles and the Exploring the Marketplace podcast. And Sean, we're going to talk to somebody today who, who's amazing. He's a businessman. And he and part of his story is that he was an electrician and he was studying to be a pastor. And then God interrupted those plans. I know it's wild to hear when most of the people that you and I meet who've been Christians for a long time, who are business people, went through a phase of feeling like, to be significant in the kingdom, you have to be in ministry. And they, a lot of people have gone through that challenge. Men and women have both gone through that challenge. And I know for me, being in ministry, I actually felt the opposite. Like I felt like to have significance to bring transformation, I really felt like I wanted to be more in a industry. Like I wanted to actually work in an industry, which is which was a real you know follow through. I actually had to do that as part of my calling. But you know, I feel like a lot of times we get this like fantasy or this 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 unrealistic expectation that if we were just in ministry, that's the important work. Did you ever go through that? Yeah, I did. Um, as I was building my business, um, people would always ask me, "Why aren't you a pastor?" And I would like think to myself, "Because I'm not that nice." <laughs> <laughs> but as I got older, I, I realized that in fact I had pastoral responsibilities to the people who were working with me and for me. Yeah. And, and so my calling of, of understanding what the father heart of God was and being able to display it within my company was, was really powerful. And, and I feel like at some point in my career, I realized that, boy, if I was to, for whatever reason, stop my business and quote, go into the ministry, I would lose something wow. uh, that, because it's hard to be in business. It's hard to build a business. And God has called us into business. Those of us who are in business, he called me into business. And I felt like that would be uh, going against, you know, his call in my life. Yeah. I felt like, you know, for me too, it was for years, God was training me even how to be around, because I'm in the entertainment industry. So how to be around entertainers, because I had favor with all these major leaders of the body of Christ, but it was never like an ego thing for me or like a Oh, I've, I'm schmoozing or name dropping these people. I just happened to have favor and connection to them, and I learned a lot from them. There wasn't one that I would say was the main mentor in my life. My parents were, but I, I was able to rub shoulders with all these giants in ministry from different movements. And it was, and I remember at one point, just like it's so weird because I don't feel called to the church mountain as a primary all the time for the rest of my life. But I mean, I'm in my 20s and 30s and 40s, so I was doing it for a long time as a primary, and I'm still, you know, involved. But I, I remember just thinking, like, this is so weird. And one day God said, I'm teaching you through this sphere of influence of these leaders how to deal with leaders in the entertainment industry who have very similar <laughs> egos, very similar um, fame kind of status. There's like Christian celebrities, and celebrities are very similar, uh, except for Christian celebrities are grounded in Jesus, thank God. And they usually have more integrity and character and morality, that kind of stuff. But when I start meeting people that I prayed for when I was 15, 16, 17 in the entertainment industry, and I start meeting them and like having connection to them and sometimes consulting them or whatever, I was like, I knew how to talk to them and be with them because I had been exposed for so many decades behind the scenes of the church. And so I think all of us, we have this like mentality of like, why does God take us through this process? And the grass is always greener on their side. I'd rather be over there. But if we just are faithful to whatever he's put in front of us, 
we'll get where we need to go and we'll enjoy it more than what we would have chosen directly. That's what I just feel. Yeah. And for you, you know, you talk about your dad being a colonel and you grew up with uh, a colonel's a very high rank. And so you, you grew up not being a respecter of men and you learned over time that, well, my dad was a colonel. So now I'm talking to this actor. I'm used to talking to a colonel or his friends that maybe had higher ranks. And you have been able to understand that God had a call on your life and you follow that call and the people that you talk to, you just love, you're curious yeah. about. Well, it's interesting because as an officer's brat, we, um, we would call the generals by their first names because it was a sign oh of like, gosh. we're important too. Uh-huh. Like we were just like, our dad's this. And so, hi, Jack, instead of General Jack, we just did. I mean, we, and it was just the thing you did as a young man. Like you just like if you're a teenager, you just did it out of like, uh, I'm not going to respect your general authority because I'm not equal, but I'm, I'm, I could relate to you outside of that role type mm-hmm. thing. It was just a really weird thing. And of course I want the culture of honor. So <laughs> I, I didn't maintain it in that spirit of what we were doing then, but there is something about, you know, you have an automatic familiarity to people in that role. And I feel like something in the spirit that when we're Christians, we have this sometimes this influence or favor to be able to relate to people. And I know you do with just your business and some of the areas that you guys have come into, even in San Diego with some of the city leaders and politicians and churches and pastors, it's like, all of a sudden, they're not pastor so-and-so to you. They're Miles or, you know, like you've introduced me to Miles McPherson, who you joke. I've watched your interactions, and Miles is like the biggest pastor in San Diego who we've had on the podcast mm-hmm. here for Exploring the Prophetic. And and you and Miles, the way you joke around the camaraderie of brotherhood is so refreshing and fun and funny to me, the way you guys talk. So I think there's something about, as God trains us to, he trains us in atmospheres and environments to be able to hold influence with humility but also so it's real. It's based in relationship, not based in just working together. Yeah, it's true. And so this podcast that you're going to hear with our friend Steve, um, he was an electrician and he thought God is calling him to be, you know, in the ministry. And then, yeah. and then God had a different idea, didn't he? A very different idea. Yeah. And I love Steve's story because it's, it's going to be an example to many of you who are listening. Uh, maybe, maybe it's not the things we've talked about already in this kind of the pre, but it's going to be an example of somebody who has gone through a whole lot to get to where he's at. But man, it's worth walking with God all the way through, all the way through, because where you get to will never be your destination, will be his. But you will like it so much more. You're going to love Steve Bray. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace with Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan. And here we are. And we today, we already gave you the introduction, but we have our friend Steve Bray. And Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing good. We're so glad you're on today. We've been having some technical difficulties so we finally made it, guys. We made it. What do you think, Bob? We made it. And um, Steve was going to come to the studio here, but I, I texted him and told him if he would have come, everything in the studio would have broken. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we would have lost the whole studio. It would have burned the out. Your, your whole stories are so powerful that they make studios burn down. No, I'm just kidding. We want to say the opposite. Good glory releases or whatever. Well, let's start into the interview. I'm really excited about talking to you, Steve, because we met years ago back in 2008 or so, I was a young yeah. pastor at my church. And you came to visit and uh, ended up pulling me aside after, you know, afterwards. And we talked for a few minutes and prayed together. You came a couple, popped in a couple other times besides that. But uh, Bob ended up, you guys are like really good friends. So it was so cool when he was like, we were talking about doing this, this show, which puts things that are happening in people's lives in the marketplace on display so we could see what God's doing. You were one of the first names that came up. So I was so excited that I had a context for you. Yeah, great. So Steve and 
1984 was, he was an electrician and he wanted to be a pastor because he thought that was, God was calling him to that. And he was a, he was going to the vineyard and he felt a little stirring and, and uh, tell us about like you went to your pastor and what he said to you. So um, John Wimber was teaching a course on planting churches in two years. And in the first quarter, John said, I want you to go pray about what geographic location you should go to. And so that night I was praying, uh, taking my assignment, and uh, I had this uh, amazing question, God, where do you want me to plant a church? And the answer came, uh, I don't want you to plant a church. I'm going to bless you in business so you can be a blessing in the kingdom. And where are people with the money that will go where I tell them to go? And I was like, you know, that's kind wow. of devil. Um, <laughs> because at that point in kind of the aftermath of the Jesus movement, only two things you could do important in your life, and that is be a pastor or go in the mission field. <laughs> so I called John up and I said, John, I had a conversation with the devil last night and uh, <laughs> I need help. And he said, come on over, sat down in his living room and uh, John said, okay, Steve, tell me what the devil told you. And I told him what I heard. And he looked at me and he said, I'm going to miss you from the program. People called, son. Right. And wow. I was like, wait a second. Okay, you've got to understand something. I barely graduated from high school. Valerie and I, in my high school senior or, um, yearbook, was voted most likely to explode an impact. And <laughs> And so um, it's like, John, I don't know anything about business. I don't know anything about um, legal, finance, accounting, anything. Um, I just know a lot about electricity and, and uh, you know, I have these ideas. I said, good, you know, that's, then, you know, God's going to have to do this. And the Lord made it very clear, good, it's going to be about my blessing, not your, um, your ability or your skill. So what happened, Steve, is you started Power Plus, and you grew the business to hundreds of millions of dollars in, uh, in annual sales. And, you know, you and I have been talking about this, and I asked um, you a question. What was, what was something that, that, um, that God helped you, a struggle that God helped you overcome? So when I was in junior high, um, I had a teacher that, you know, was just mean. It was like the wicked witch teacher. And she would stand me up in the class and she didn't like my hair. So she would put hair clips in my hair. And then she would ask me questions she knew I didn't know. And she, um, you know, I, as I couldn't answer those questions, she looked at me and she said, are you an ignoramus or something? Now I'm standing in front of the whole class and it was pretty humiliating. And uh, later on in the business, um, I had started a division where we were doing uh, underground utilities. And a good vertical for the business was to actually dig our own trenches. So I kind of ran ahead and uh, started an underground uh, a company digging trenches. Mm. It, was a, it was a smart move. Um, it just missed one you know essential point which is i 
didn't realize that there was a lot of small operators that would do the trenches for three bucks. And for us at our size, we had to do those uh, trenches for eight bucks a foot. And oh, wow. we were really struggling. And at the very same time, a prophetic um, guy, who I won't say his name, he, he gave me many, many words. Um, and over the years, I really depended on that. But, you know, I, I had a word from Paul Kane, I had a word from John Paul Jackson, and all of those things were really powerful and directive in my life. And this guy, in the same way. And at one point, um, he asked me the question, how's it going? And I said, well, I said, it's going amazing. God's really blessing. We're doing really well. And um, he said, yeah, that's right, because it's about God's favor and blessing in your life, not because you're smart. <laughs> what a word. And the guy, you know, he was already, I was always a little irritated with his demeanor. And that rolled around inside my stomach. Um, and I could just see his mouth moving, not because you're smart, not because you're smart, and, um, for two months. And so in the meantime, I'm crying out to God, asking God, what, you know, what have I done wrong with this business? And, you know, there's two ways to, to have God help you. And that is ask before you start or ask after you started. In this instance, I had asked after I was already well into the business, $3 million invested money. And, wow. and, uh, and I'm on my face crying out to God and saying, God, you know, you have to solve this problem for me. I, I don't know, you know, what should I do? And um, I just need your favor. And, you know, I've depended on your favor um, the whole time. And the Lord spoke to me, you know, with this resounding, so you don't want to be smart anymore? And um, I, I said, wow, <laughs> I, you know, no, God, I want your favor. I don't need to be smart. And in that moment, the, all of that, the teacher's word over me, everything, all of the power of that was broken. That's and awesome. I was, I was just phenomenally healed. I, uh, the Lord told me to roll up the business and uh, take my lumps and I got out of that business and um, you know we you know we grew and from 1984 to 2006 I grew at a 32% compounded growth rate oh my gosh and we absorbed you know many many you know misses and failures along the way but that really you know taught me to think ahead as opposed to behind um, you know the curve you know, God wants to speak to us and tell us, you know, amazing things. And I had on my phone, Jeremiah 3, 33, 3, you know, to me, and I will show you great mighty things that you do not know. Well, what I didn't know was the pricing structure of, you know, these other competitors and I got taken out. And so it just, what one more lesson reinforced, you know, to, get ahead of it as opposed to behind it. That's so profound. I think, you know, just hearing your hunger to really partner with God this way after he called you into something that you didn't think you were going to be doing, but he's been really faithful and like just your heart to like the fact that you named a couple of the prophetic people that a lot of us respect who you actually, you know, got a word from and you really took it seriously. I think just shows that how hungry you are to see something happen. That's a God result, not your result. I mean, you just, so displayed that or demonstrated that so well through that story. 
Um, Bob was telling me a story that just because he's your friend, so he knows you really well, that I, I thought was really profound that I think our, our listeners would really love about Iraq and how you just heard from God so clearly about Iraq. Can you tell that one? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, you know, the, the t- at the point of me going and, and talking with you and you um, basically letting me know you didn't have anything. And so I was you know, just slugging it out in the downturn of the economy. We went from 133 million to 23 million, 900 employees to 250 employees. And so wow. it was a third time and I almost lost everything. Oh, wow. And as we clawed our way back through uh, a number of different, uh, you know, business, you know, ups and downs, we finally became uh, profitable again in 2012. And so as we were doing some work, um, uh, and, you know, we had a utility, um, leg, you know, leg of our business. We have three different legs and the utility leg, we had a business development guy, um, tell us that we had, there was an opportunity in Iraq, which really was in the, in the Northern part of, uh, Kurdistan. So we went to, um, uh, one of the guys that, um, Mark Carher and I call him Colonel Mark, Colonel Mark was in Iraq for, uh, by Iraq and Afghanistan for five or six years during his deployment was highest ranking colonel in the surge. So he knew, you know, lots in, about Iraq and, and the East. So he and I and my youngest son, Connor, went to Kurdistan to sort out this idea uh, about us helping them with their utilities in Kurdistan. And we had unusual favor. We met with the Minister of Utilities and Power, wow. and, and you know, sitting around the table, we laid out a plan for him, which was phenomenal because they and I didn't know this as I was talking to them. I said, "Look, we'll help you with utility utilities. We'll install them, but we'll use your labor and we'll teach your guys, and we'll have this amazing, uh, uh, you know, northern, you know, uh, utility plan." And they were like, we want you to come. So we rolled up, went home, and they started sending us these contracts, a $100 million contract, $125 million, $25 million. Oh, my gosh. And I'm looking at these contracts, and I'm like, wow. You know, Kurdistan was rich in oil. The Kurds loved Americans because of the 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 rescue uh, by Americans of, of Kurdistan from Saddam Hussein and, and his son. And so they loved us. And so they would send us these contracts. But I couldn't figure them out. I could, I'd li- literally look at these. Number one, I'd never seen $125 million contract. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then on top of that, it was, how do we get paid? How do, how do we get our material? What, you know, all the, all these different questions. And so, um, I'm kind of struggling with those. And Mark finally comes back and says, hey, look, we either need to do these contracts or release them and let them move on. And um, it was it, it was uh, it was a very pointed moment for me. So I, I just literally got on my face and said, God, what what am I supposed to do? I mean, on one hand, I had FOMO, you know, contract FOMO. Yeah, and yeah. I couldn't figure it out. And so I. I literally just cried out to God and God said, don't go, which 
you know, on one hand, I liked the answer. On the other hand, I didn't like the answer because, you know, we could we could really use this as a big revenue punch. We wanted to go international. We were, you know, excited about it, but I couldn't figure it out. And the Lord said, don't go. So we didn't go. And um, two months later, uh, there was an attack by this. I don't know if you guys ever heard of ISIS. Um, uh -huh. ISIS was formed in 2014, just two months after we were there. And they were they formed in, and took over and attacked uh, Kurdistan and basically started murdering um, Christians there. And there was a 21-person beheading, and they lit a guy on, on fire in the cage. Mm -hmm. And so, but, you know, great and mighty things that you do not know. I nobody knew what ISIS even was. Yeah. And God prevented us from going there and being in the middle of that big mess. And of course I would have had, you know, a, a different take on it if we had gone. I would have said, Yeah, see, you know, demonic attack from, you know, Satan were martyrs and you know, I would have flipped the story around, but you know <laughs> As we often do. But no, what an incredible story in the sense of, you know, we're looking for our relationship with God to help us to navigate really, really hard things. I think sometimes when people think of how God speaks or how he leads us, they think of it in the context to, you know, adding a wing to the church or like starting a new program. They don't think of it as far as like in our very real life and these huge decisions that you as a business owner, like if you hadn't heard that, how much, you know, you would have been set back again after just finally overcoming that hard season. And yeah. I just think that's so the kindness of God when he's, when you really do surrender to that process is so good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think Steve, the story earlier about the junior high school teacher calling you ignoramus and the prophet saying that you're not smart. I mean, those things, we live with those things as men and having God deliver you of the shame and the thinking all along um, that this is who you are. When in fact, the truth of who you are is you're this love son of God. And mm -hmm. No, you can't do anything right or anything wrong um, outside of him. And that, that God showed you that in, in the area of business, he, he did this whole thing for you because you're interested in business. You're good at it. You have a six, longstanding successful company that's been through ups and downs, but God has brought you through time and time again. And the fact that he did a personal healing for you, in the midst of business is something that just speaks to me. Yeah. Speaks yeah. And, to everybody. Yeah. And you know, here's the, here's the, the, the ultimate um, piece of that, which is um, God wants to speak to us. And, you know, over the years, whether I, you know, I learned from Wimber, I learned from different prophetic, um, you know, ministries, um, and, you know, God does want to speak and I, I don't have like, I believe in all nine gifts and I pursue all those things and I want them all available as, you know, uh, tools in my tool belt. And what's funny is that, um, the average, you know, business Christian business guy, um, doesn't think of that as being that available and it's that available and he wants so to, good. Us, he wants mm -hmm. to. Us. He wants to help us. He wants to speak to us, mm -hmm. and uh, and I have a, I, I have a, a lot of 
small stories and I have a lot of big stories of where God has taken us and protected us and, uh, you know, moved us down the, down the road, not only for my own, you know, blessing and benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom. Yeah. Just kind of the last thought on that during that season, I want to kind of dig into this a little bit because we only have a few more minutes, but when we um, talked about 2008, which is essentially when I met you till about 2012, you had such a reduction in business. What did you hold on to? And then what was kind of the tipping point to get back into that place of like where things were working out again? Yeah. So I had this interesting experience and this is, you know, Mike, I I started going to this prayer meeting. Mike Hudgens was doing it in your Christian church and his internet gal. And so it was called the marketplace prayer meeting. And I, you know, I was in a desperate place. And, and uh, so Mike stands up and he says, Hey, Steve. Um, uh, and anyone in the room, there's like 30 of us in the room he said, what do you want back? And I was like, what do you mean? What do you want back? Well, what's wow. the from you? What do you want back? And I said, so I made this list. I had like 10 things on the, on the list. And, you know, one was I want my company back and I want, you know, to, you know, be back in control of what was really happening. Wow. So on the list, I had put the, so my wife told me a couple months before that our, our, a watch that I bought her for our 25th anniversary, that that watch was missing. It might've been stolen. She wasn't sure where it was and she can't find it. She goes, you know, I feel really bad. And so I put the watch on the list. Well, you know, and she, and she read the list and she goes, you know, Steve, that in, in the grand perspective of things, really the watch, I mean, you know, we need the company back. We need, you know, everything to come, you know, back into focus. And I said, well, I put it on there, you know, I'm, I'm framed for it all. So, um, so the final day, um, I'm in this big fight with the banks and I'm dealing with all kinds of, of, you know, credit guys from these, you know, big national mm. banks, eight banks in a consortium. And they were literally trying to put me into bankruptcy and I was fighting for my life. And um, so my wife was obviously, Nancy was fully engaged in that, that prayer battle. And so on the, I had three days to, raise $2 million to um, settle up with the bank. They were willing to relieve me of $66 million of debt. And, wow. um, and, and it was just going to be a miraculous outcome. And three days before um, I had battled for two weeks, trying to get, you know, this, this funding to come in. And finally on, on this one day, um, July, I mean, uh, June 23rd, uh, 2009, I, um, I, my wife called and said, how's it going? And I said, well, I said, I'll know by 10 o'clock. So at 10 o'clock, um, the, uh, the wire transfer came through. I had a copy of the wire transfer. The transaction was done. I was relieved of $66 million of debt. I had my, my company back. Things were on track. And I called her up and I said, Hey, the wire transfer came through. I have a copy of it right here. And she said, Oh, great. I'm going to come to the company. I'm going to bring a bottle of champagne. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm going to roll down. So she was pulling some glasses out of the, uh, out of the, the butler's pantry and 
she pulled this one glass down and in it was a plastic bag. And in that plastic bag was her watch. Yes. Wow. And that she awesome. And she and and she called me up and she said, You'll never believe this. And I said, Well, that was just an extravagant love kiss from the from the Holy Spirit. And so that was that, you know, that was a huge resolution. Had my company back, had full control, everything was relieved of the bank. And it was it was a ridiculous transaction because all I had to do is pull this two million dollars together. Um, and the you know, the bank didn't think I would pull it off. And um I pulled it off and that you know, that was it. So God just met every one of those there's still a few things on the list but you know there's those are front and center and you know i'm i'm happy to keep those you know framed but um just learning to stay steady um you know david said yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil so i will fear no evil evil you know can't touch us, even though we're in the valley of the shadow of death. Steve, that is such an awesome story. I mean, we love, we love it when we hear miracles about uh, people being raised from the dead or legs growing, but you just uh, talked to us about practical miracles, which God is so involved in. And what a blessing that your company was saved. And I know um, you're a philanthropist and you, you and Nancy, spend time um, giving money all over the place and God's been faithful to you. And I, Sean and I just want to thank you for taking time to be on this podcast. And uh, we want to bless you uh, and bless the business, bless you and Nancy marriage and your family. And thanks so much for taking your time to be with us. You're welcome. Anytime. Yeah, we thank you. It's awesome. And coming up, we're going to do question and answer time with Sean and Bob. Welcome to the Exploring Series podcast with me, Sean Bowles. We're now up to three episodes a week with three different themes. Join me every Monday for Exploring the Industry, where we have powerful conversations with Christians and entertainment industries around the world who have stories about how their faith is impacting their career in the world around them. Join us Wednesdays in one of the most listened to podcasts in Christianity, Exploring the Prophetic where I get to interview people from every walk of life about how hearing from God has changed their world and the world around them. Then come download every Friday's edition where we're exploring the marketplace with my co-host, Bob Hassan, where we have powerful interviews and we answer questions from listeners like you who have careers in the marketplace. Come take a seat in our conversation and ask your questions and subscribe to the Exploring Series where we go on one journey together to see what it looks like to have a living relationship with Jesus in every kind of life imaginable. Bob, I'm so excited about this segment because you and I have answered so many people's questions at our live events and now we get to do it on podcast, yes. So we're gonna be answering your questions, so please feel free. We're doing it in a different format because we're, we're recording this at all different times. So we're giving you guys the opportunity to go to our webpage, www.bowlsministries.com, and you can record a question to us. And so you're going to hear some of these questions that are recorded being played today. This is the first time that Bob and I are hearing them. And we're going to answer them together. Are you excited? Yeah, I'm really excited. We get practical, spiritual, everything. We have a question from Margaret. I can't wait to hear it. How do you get motivated and keep motivated at a new job when anxiety and the fear of failing paralyzes you 
and all you want to do is give up. Margaret, that's an amazing question. And in 2015, there was a study that was uh, published in the Harvard Business Review, and it was the top five things that CEOs were afraid of. And uh, this author, he interviewed, I think, 172 CEOs of the biggest companies in the world. And the number one fear that these CEOs had was the imposter syndrome, that someone would feel <laughs> like these, these guys didn't know what they were doing. And I think when you talk about CEOs, you have to realize in the top companies, it's not a far jump to say that these could be some of the best business people in the world. They're and supposed to be. They're supposed to be. Yeah. And if this is their biggest fear, then uh, I think your question has so much validity. I do want to say, though, that if you're if if I understand your question right, you're working in a company where there is a culture of fear and where you feel afraid and I think that's something that you need to pray about is, is this the right company culture for me? We want to be working in company cultures where people are celebrated, where um, they can think outside the box and where new ideas um, are received well. Yeah, I think that's a great key. And I think sometimes, um, sometimes it's inside of us where there's identity issues in us where we feel inferior, we don't feel worthy, we don't feel like we're enough. And you have a lot of power to go to therapy, get coaching, get help for that. But if it's in the culture where they're actually fear-based, where they're performance-based, and they are only looking at your results, then that may not be the company you want to work for because it's going to violate that Christ-centeredness of not performing just for the sake of attaboys and accolades. And for these companies, you're going to be used. Yeah, we don't want to be just used. We don't want to just be used and discarded. So I would encourage you to like really evaluate that. Is this coming from me and the place of maybe brokenness in my home life or my, my past life, my childhood? Or is this coming from the company? If it's coming from the company, is it something I have the power to change? If it's not, I might actually want to work somewhere else, even if it doesn't give me as much significance. And I have a friend, she just called me the other day, and she's working for one of the best companies in the world. I love that. I can't say what company it is because you would trace back the other thing I'm going to say, which is she was working for one of the best companies in the world that was as far as reputation, but it was like a tyrant who just controlled all the employees and had has 100,000 plus employees, and it was awful to work for. And she finally realized, I only have one lifetime, and I've worked here for 10 years. I have 25, 35 more good years of, to work for. Do I want to be stuck in this job? Quit it to work for a startup, and the startup didn't work out. But she's like, just she had to honor her heart. And, and she ended up getting a job that she never thought she would get in one of the best companies that does not have that culture. And I just think when you're being led by God, and you're being honest with yourself about these kinds of dynamics, then you'll know you'll know where you're supposed to be. And so I just, I love Bob's answer and I hope that helps you so much. And you guys keep asking these questions because Bob, what are we going to do? We're going to keep answering them. We are. So every podcast, we're answering these questions. All you have to do is go to bullsministries.com and look for the graphic where you click on it and you'll record your question just like they did to us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring Podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.